0: Section 35 of Lodore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lodore by Mary Shelley, Volume 2, Chapter 17. Do you not think yourself truly happy? You have the abstract of all sweetness by you the precious wealth youth labours to arrive at nor is she less in honour than in beauty beaumont and fletcher the following day was one of pouring unintermitting rain the Lears and ethel drew their chairs near their cheerful fire and were happy edward could not quite conquer his repugnance to seeing his wife in lodgings and in those also of so mean and narrow a description but the spirit of ethel was more disencumbered of earthly particles that had found its rest in the very home of love the rosy light of the divinity invested all things for her cleopatra on the cydnus in the bark which like a burnished throne burnt on the water borne along by purple sails so perfumed that the winds were lovesick with them was not more gorgeously attended than ethel was to her own fancy lapped and cradled in all that love has of tender voluptuous and confiding several days passed before villiers could withdraw her from this blissful dream to gaze upon the world as it was he could not make her disgusted with her fortunes nor her abode but he awakened anxiety on his own account his father as he had conjectured was gone to paris leaving merely a message for his son, that he would willingly join him in any act for raising money, by mortgage or the absolute disposal of a part of the estate. Edward had consulted with his solicitor, who was to look over a vast variety of papers to discover the most eligible mode of making some kind of sale. Delay, in all its various shapes, waited on these arrangements, and villiers was very averse to leaving town till he held some clue to the labyrinth of obstacles which presented themselves at every turn he talked of their taking a house in town but ethel would not hear of such extravagance in the first place their actual means were at a very low ebb with little hope of a speedy supply there was another circumstance the annoyance of which he understood far better than ethel could he had raised money on annuities the interest of which he was totally unable to pay this exposed him to a personal risk of the most disagreeable kind and he knew that his chief creditor was on the point of resorting to harsh measures against him these things dingy visaged dirty-handed realities as they were made a strange contrast with ethel's feeling of serene and elevated bliss but she with unshrinking heart brought the same fortitude and love into the crooked and sordid ways of modern london which had adorned heroines of old as they wandered amidst trackless forests and over barren mountains several days passed and the weather became clear though cold the young pair walked together in the parks at such morning hours as would prevent their meeting any acquaintances for edward was desirous that it should not be known that they were in town Beliers also traced his daily, weary, disappointing way to his solicitor, where he found things look more blank and dismal each day. Then, when evening came, and the curtains were drawn, they might have been at the top of Mount Caucasus, instead of in the centre of London, so completely were they cut off from everything except each other. They then felt absolutely happy the lingering disgusts of edward were washed clean away by the bounteous ever-springing love that flowed as waters from a fountain from the heart of ethel in one perpetual tide in those hours of unchecked talk she learned many things she had not known before the love of horatio seville for lady lodore was revealed to her but the story was not truly told for the prejudices as well as the ignorance of valiers rendered him blind to the sincerity of cornelia's affection and regret ethel wondered and in spite of the charm with which she delighted to invest the image of her mother she could not help agreeing with her husband that she must be irrevocably wedded to the most despicable worldly feelings so to have played with the heart of a man such as horatio a man whose simplest word bore the stamp of truth and genius, one of those elected few whom nature elevates to her own high list of nobility and greatness. How could she, a simple girl, interest feelings which were not alive to Seville's merits? She could only hope that in some dazzling marriage Lady Lodore would find a compensation for the higher destiny which might have been hers, but that like the base indian she had thrown a pearl away richer than all his tribe there was a peaceful quiet in their secluded and obscure life which somewhat resembled the hours spent on board ship when you long for yet fear the conclusion of the voyage and shrink involuntarily from exchanging a state whose chief blessing is an absence of every care for the variety of pains and pleasures which checker life ethel possessed her all so near so undivided so entirely her own that she could not enter into Valier's impatience nor quite sympathise with the disquietude he could not repress after considerable delays his solicitor informed him that his father had so entirely disposed of all his interest in the property that his readiness to join in any act of sale would be useless the next thing to be done was for edward to sell a part of his expectations and the lawyer promised to find a purchaser and begged to see him three days hence when no doubt he should have some proposal to communicate whoever has known what such things are whoever has waited on the demurs and objections and suffered the alternations of total failure and suddenly renewed hopes which are the tantalus food held to the lips of those under the circumstances of villiers can follow in imagination his various conferences with his solicitor as day after day something new was discovered still to drag on or to impede the tortoise pace of his negotiations it will be no matter of wonder to such that a month instead of three days wasted away and found him precisely in the same position with hopes a little raised though so frequently blasted and nothing done in recording the annoyances or rather the adversity which the young pair endured at this period a risk is run on the one hand of being censured for bringing the reader into contact with degrading and sordid miseries and on the other of laying too much stress on circumstances which will appear to those in a lower sphere of life as scarcely deserving the name of misfortune it is very easy to embark on the wild ocean of romance and to steer a danger fraught passage amidst giant perils the very words employed excite the imagination and give grace to the narrative but all beautiful and fairy-like as was ethel villiers in tracing her fortunes it is necessary to descend from such altitudes to employ terms of vulgar use and to describe scenes of commonplace and debasing interest so that if she herself in her youth and feminine tenderness, does not shed light and holiness around her, we shall grope darkling and fail utterly in the scope which we proposed to ourselves in selecting her history for the entertainment of the reader. End of volume two, chapter seventeen. Recording by Linda Johnson.